beauty's hour a fantasy by olivia shakespeare this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter seven i confess that about this time i was led astray and overmastered by conflicting emotions my work and my battles with lady harmon's peculiarities became unutterably irksome i forgot how to efface myself i spoke at the wrong moment and on the wrong subject i did not remember to be sympathetic and i expected sympathy in fact i confused what was permitted to marry hatherley with what was permitted to marry gower with the result that i drank the cup of bitterness each day the cup of triumph each night at this time i was much sought after my devotion to art was supposed to denote genius though it was hardly respectable and wholly unnecessary but people forgave me my persistent refusal to see any one or to go anywhere during the day and asked me to their houses in the evening i was often chaperoned by lady harmon sometimes by dr trefusis himself i had many admirers but i only remember them vaguely like figures in a dream the golden key that opened their hearts led me into strange places some had never been tenanted and were so cold and bare that i felt they could never be really warm or pleasant others had been swept and garnished and i was asked to believe that all traces of their former occupants were gone others were full of rust and cobwebs and old toys broken and thrust away there was no room even for a new plaything the key unlocked no sanctuary with altar lights and incense burning waiting for the one divinity that was to fill its empty shrine those who loved me had loved before and would love again women whose idol is success worshipped me too in their curious fashion it became desirable in their eyes to be known as the friend of mary hatherley a note of distinction was thus sounded they were proud to demonstrate the fact that they were above jealousy or fear of rivalry i liked many of them with a liking tempered by amusement i am glad to think now that i did not interfere wantonly with their lovers their husbands or their sons i was discreet to the verge of being disagreeable indeed had it not been for my face i think they might almost have resented my indifference to their male belongings and taken it as a personal affront i saw a great deal of gerald in the character of mary hatherley the frost held and he remained in london without a murmur he was not much at home during the day and mary gower had no speech with him alone something has happened to gerald betty said one day i mean besides this business about mary they called her mary by this time he wanders about picture galleries i've found out and someone saw him the other day in the british museum isn't that somewhere in the city not quite so bad said i the city had been betty's terror ever since she had been taken to the tower as a child but isn't mr harmon merely improving his mind yes but why cried his sister he's done very well all these years without it 
it isn't as though he were the sort of man who could do nothing else he can ride and shoot better than any man i know why should he want to improve his mind her somewhat incoherent speech amused me and it was true a superficial culture would have sat oddly on gerald harmon whose charm lay in his simplicity and a certain gallant bearing that might have fitted him to be the hero of a romance of the elizabethan age in which men were either knights or shepherds full of a natural bravery and keenly susceptible to the influence of women's beauty miss hatherley is an artist i suggested in answer to betty's remarks she shrugged her shoulders miss hatherley's just flirting with him said she this was true i had answered his letter not in writing nor indeed by any explicit word of mouth but i had been kind and had let him see that the letter had not displeased me i had also led him to understand that the time was not yet come for any more open speech on his part i was capricious i used my power with but little mercy these were days when i made him miserable and days when i knew the world was recreated for him by my kindness yet i was more wretched than i had ever been when i was only mary gower i grew to hate the other mary's beautiful face her smile the gracious turn of her head her shapely hands i grew to hate all this with a passionate intensity that frightened me i seemed to have realised mary Haverley in a strange objective way as distinct from myself she was the woman gerald harmon loved she was the woman i should have been and was not and then came a heart-stricken moment when i knew she was the woman who had done both gerald and another a wrong that might never be undone it happened in this wise i had gone down one day to the girl's sitting-room to fetch a book i had left there when i met gerald on the stairs he passed me by with the briefest possible word and with a look of annoyance on his face that i was at a loss to account for till i reached the sitting-room and found bella sturgis there she was sitting with her face on her arms by the writing-table and i could see that she was crying my instinct was to leave her but i was not quick enough to escape her notice and she turned upon me with an angry movement why didn't you knock said she in her confusion and distress she mistook me for a servant i should have laughed had i not been overcome by the conviction that gerald had just left her and that something had passed between them which was connected with mary Haverley. i am sorry if i disturbed you said i i have come for a book i left here then she saw her mistake and flushed red i beg your pardon i really didn't see she said and then as though bowed down by the weight of her own distress she dropped her head again on her hands i did not know what to do it seemed an intrusion to remain and impossible to go forgive me i said at last you are in some trouble i have intruded upon you unknowingly i can't go away without saying i wish i could do something for you she looked up at me with manifest surprise tears shone still upon her face and in her eyes 
i wondered that gerald had left her even for mary haverley why should you care she asked i'm always sorry for another woman i said she looked at me again with a miserable uncertain air her haughty self-confidence had gone from her and i felt emboldened to speak again you may not know that i am lady harman's secretary i have been in the house all day for a long while and i can't help seeing a great deal of what goes on in it i know your trouble miss sturgis she got up at that and looked for a moment as though she would have struck me then she suddenly lost her self-control and burst into tears those tears were dreadful to me i took her hand and soothed her as though she had been a child and presently she sat down beside me how do you know she said you can't know i've heard them talk of mary haverley said i and i suppose they say i'm breaking my heart cried she with a desperate attempt at scorn they would not be far wrong i answered she gave a long sigh it hurts she said quite simply shame and an aching remorse seized me i had taken him from her and had roused in him a love which must be always barren i had surely put a knife into bella's heart and her simple words stabbed me back did i not know it hurt i carried the self-same wound do you care for him so much i said at first she would not answer and frowned while the tears came into her eyes then she said brokenly yes we used to quarrel and now it's all over do you think i went on that if mary haverley were to go away you could win him back she pondered i watched her beautiful face and thought that i had hitherto misjudged her her pride the insolence of her beauty her caprices had been but the superficial manifestation of a passionate spirit led astray by a world which cared only for the outer woman now that these things had been flung back in her face her heart spoke she lost the sense of her beauty and its rights and was more lovely than she had ever been and did not know it he used to love me i'm sure she said i believe he would again i would not be so unkind oh but what's the use of talking i hardly heard the sound of my own voice as i answered her there was a singing in my ears i think he has been led away by a pretty face i dare say he does not care for the real mary haverley he may return be kind to him when he does oh i will i will said she you have made me feel happier i was so unhappy she bent forward impulsively and kissed me i kissed her back i am so glad i said and left the room hurriedly to hide my emotion on my way home i went to see dr trefusis i found him alone sitting over a pile of great folio volumes his study where i had so often found a refuge from the ills of life looked warm and cheerful 
with its shelves of books from floor to ceiling and great open hearth he appeared to rouse himself with some difficulty and i noticed he looked older and very wearied i'm not come to disturb you said i let me sit by the fire whilst you read i have something i want to think out it will do me good to talk child he answered i've been poring over these books for too long what is it you have to think over mary only the old thing he looked at me with a quickened attention i've been thinking over it too he said then he sat down on the other side of the fireplace the room was aglow with the flames and the bright light of two lamps there seemed also to be a strange light on dr trefusis's face you know mary he began solemnly that this case of yours has led me into strange studies and strange speculations they are all wicked i am going to put away my books for i begin to fear lest they should take me into places where madness lies outside the phenomenal where we were never meant to penetrate you have shown me how human longing if it be powerful enough is nearly omnipotent for evil as well as for good here in these old books in the magia naturalis of johannes faust in this old latin of cornelius agrippa and many others i learn how spirits can be dragged out of the air how alchemy can turn metal to gold these things have a terrible fascination but it is of the devil i shall put them all away your longing turned mary gower whom god made into mary haverley in whom he has no part he looked at me with a shudder the church put the alchemists to death for a less sin he said this power you have brings you nothing but trouble it may bring trouble to those you do not wish to injure mary i implore you to stop before it is too late all this in the mouth of dr trefusis the keen scientist the ardent advocate of materialism surprised me much the gravity of his tone so far removed from his ordinary carelessness carried authority all he said was my own inward but unformulated conviction put into words i asked him why he thought it might bring trouble to others i have seen enough he answered to understand your relations with the harmons it won't do mary that young harmon ought not to be sacrificed to your love of experimentalizing at that i got up and walked about the room you do me an injustice said i i may have given way to a curiosity which taken alone would not be legitimate but my heart was concerned in this matter ah said he i feared so i sat down on a stool at his feet and gave him all my confidence he did not interrupt me and when i had finished we were both silent for a long while do you not feel yourself that such a state of things cannot go on he said at last i am determined to give it up i answered to-morrow night 
shall be mary haverley's last appearance why let her appear again at all he asked because i'm a woman and i want to say good-bye to gerald harmon the doctor laughed i think to cover some emotion well 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 he said have it so if you will but be done with the thing it's unholy it's a work of the devil there are more things in heaven and earth than i ever dreamt of in my philosophy things i dare not tamper with now mary will you climb to the top of the ladder and put away faustus and agrippa and the rest i've had enough of them we spent some time putting away the books strange volumes full of odd symbolical drawings and with wonderful titles such as the golden tripod the glory of the world or the gate of paradise the all-wise doorkeeper the doctor crossed himself as i put the last one in its place and i laughed in spite of my trouble i've one thing more to say he cried turning suddenly on me i'm getting old mary and i want a housekeeper and a daughter you refused me these once you shall not refuse again you and miss waitley must come and take charge of me i promise you i'll age rapidly and then you'll feel you are fulfilling a duty a sensation dear to the soul of woman i know we sat there over the fire for another hour before i left him my promise had been given End of chapter 7